Welcome to the JMR Podcast. I'm your host, Jelani, a.k.a. Jedi Master Ren, and I'm going to take y'all on a trip to a galaxy far, far away. On tonight's journey, we'll discuss PlayStation's state of play that happened yesterday, the review process for games across the industry, as well as the dynamic around the console war. Some Falcon sweeping for you. I do really hate to do this, guys, but... I honestly don't think that I can do this anymore. You know, uh, two weeks it's been since I got to talk to y'all. No more. This show is officially going weekly, guys. I got you. I know I did. I cannot get enough of doing this show. I love it. And this last or these last couple of weeks that um, I've been on hiatus, you know, going back to the biweekly format, uh, I was very anxious and I was like kind of getting uh, goosebumps trying to get this show together and really wanting to record again. And, you know, last Thursday came around and I was under the impression that I was going to record and I completely forgot that I went back to bi-weekly. So I am making the decision. We are going weekly with the show. So you can expect a new show coming in hot next week. All right, guys, now that I got that out of the way, let's jump to hyperspace. All right, so now that we're safely in light speed, I do want to touch on what I've been playing recently or in the last two weeks. So I have finally completed my mainline playthrough of Horizon Forbidden West. So with that comes um, some new knowledge and some new insight into the game at large. Um, so I absolutely love this game. I adore this game. Um, I mean, you know, obviously it is a PS5 showcase, so I'm already pulling up for that, but the the story grabbed me from the very beginning and again i as i spoke in the last episode it grabs you in a way that is different than the first game grabs you but in a different way all in in and of itself and it has the backing of the first game because you know the what is going on from the first game so you're carrying that knowledge over to the next one and you're trying to discover more and trying to build on top of that lore that you got in the first game so they do a really good job of getting you in there and, you know, I I like the opening bit. I really did like that part and how long it took. It, it was a decent amount. I think it took about an hour, but I did like that um, because it gives you time to get your bearings again into this world. Again, obviously, I, me coming off of having just beat Horizon, the first one, Horizon Zero Dawn, um, a, you know, a couple months prior, I'm already... I have these mechanics and these movements kind of already in my muscle memory. So it's not necessarily for guys and people like me. It's for the people who have not played this game in, you know, maybe three years or so. And they just need a little bit to, you know, get their feet wet before they let you into the open world, into the daunt. That's the first little area. And I don't know if I really touched on that very much because I was trying to keep it very surface level. And we're going to try to keep it pretty surface level here as well because I know people are still trying to play through it or they haven't even gotten a chance to play it yet so I don't want to spoil really anything so um if you do feel like there's you know going to be a spoiler coming up that you're you know I'm kind of talking into something just skip a skip a little bit further because again I'm trying to keep this as spoiler free as possible but the daunt is that first area that you're in and it's a basic first area as in like you know what you would see in most of your open world games it's the area that you're going to have to get your bearings in the game and realistically, you can spend a lot of time in this one area. I didn't spend 
that much time because I really did want to get out into, you know, the Forbidden West, basically. But um, I did still spend a decent amount of time, more time than I thought I was going to. And that is mostly because of a side mission that kind of carries on throughout that uh, that area. And it has you coming back and checking in with certain people as you're going about. So because of that, I really wanted to see the end of that. And the cool thing is that followed into the Forbidden West. So that's st- that conclusion to that story wasn't over in the dawn. It, there was there was still more that had to be done in the Forbidden West side of um, of the game when you get into the full map. And that is part of how the game is structured well and the how the side quests are structured. So they have a multitude of different, um, you know, quests and different uh, different kinds of quests. Uh, the ones that I frequented were obviously the main quest or the main story and then side quests, errands, and um, I did some of the contracts. Just uh, I think I did like two of them. I did not do any outposts. And I literally, as I was um, going through the world at Endgame, I'm now seeing like, wow, I didn't do any outpost at all. I didn't take out any rebel outpost, nothing. I wasn't about that life. I'm not trying to get into into skirmishes. I had a job. And I said that in the in the previous episode too. Like the way that I play this game or the way that I've started the way that I finished Horizon Zero Dawn is kind of how I'm playing this game now. And because there are high stakes, you know, you're trying to ultimately save the world and stop this blight from happening so there is there there it's time sensitive and you have and i'm putting myself in aloy's shoes and i'm thinking you know what she has a job to do so let's let's get this done like yes there are some things that did take me as in like you know what I do think that this is kind of important and pertinent to the situation at large. Like, you know, maybe there is um, somebody who's lost in in the woods or something. Or I'm just, that's just a random example. But, I mean, you know, those are like fetch quests. And those are going to be those errand quests that you're going to get. Um, and, but they are split up and they split them up well to where the errands are stuff like that. Where you're just kind of going to a place, taking out some enemies, helping out the allies... And then you're coming out. It's not a. It's not very intense. It's a very quick in and out. The side quests, the side quests are top notch. Like I am so excited that I now have gotten the main story out of the way, so that I can go back and see all of this side content because it genuinely is interesting and it genuinely is. It feels like it is a part of the main stuff. It feels like this is what you're meant to do. You're meant to do the main story, but there is a lot of help that Aloy can give to the people of this world going forward. So it seems like that is what you're supposed to do because of how much time and thought and effort the developers put into the side quest. And they, I'm telling you, they all feel like they are giving you more insight into the world, more lore into the world. There's um, dialogue choices and dialogue branches while you're in those side quests that you don't generally see in the errands. You do see them sometimes, but not for the most part. In the for, Again, for the most part, the errands are just kind of quick in and out. But these side quests, they really kind of feel like they are part of um, the main story structure. And because it's they have multiple parts to them, like the main story missions do. So they're not, it's, you would think of it as the side quest could be a section of one of the missions, of one of the main story missions. 
not a full mission. I would say maybe half of what like a main story mission would be, but all of the tenacity and all of that, like in your face, we're giving you information. We're hitting you hard, either emotionally or, you know, physically where something's happening, where you're having to, um, um, what were you thinking? Not saying parkour, but you're having to climb and use your focus so you can see the different handholds. And we are going to get to the climbing. Let's just get there now. Cause that brings me to it. Um, the the climbing in this game though guys it's uh it's it's i'm in the middle i'm in the middle with it you know i i when i first you know got into it really liked it i really liked the handholds i liked that it felt like i could really go anywhere and not anywhere because again it's not assassin's creed but and, and it's not e even um breath of the wild in that sense still not because there are structures that you just can't get up and again in breath of the wild there are things that you can't get up, but it's because you don't have the stamina to. If you got the stamina, you can crawl up really anything. But in this, there are legitimately certain surfaces, not surfaces, but just really just certain rock formations that you just can't climb for whatever reason, but then you can climb other ones. And I guess in the sense, well, those help, those have handholds that are easier for her to climb on. And again, that's not the whole point in the focus of the game. So one could say, well, that's why it's not like there, it's not everywhere, but I feel, you know, if we're going to have it on one, maybe have it on the other as well, because they're both rocks, but that's just, you know, me being the dumb, dumb gamer, not the guys who are making the games. But um, I will say, the climbing still is clunky, though. It still is clunky, just like it is in <laughs> in the first game. Even, you know, it is fluid. It is more fluid. I'm not going to say that it is, you know, not an improvement in the climbing, but with that improvement comes still the jank of the new climbing now. So it still feels like the same level of jank that the first game had. However, it is more open and expanded, but it's the same level of jank in the sense of the the first game was smaller scale and had smaller jank. This game is bigger scale and doesn't have bigger jank, but has jank that is proportionate. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at. It doesn't, again, the game had me fall in love the, uh, before we even got because I started noticing these climbing things towards the end of the game where I started getting a little frustrated at why, you know, she wasn't doing certain things like there would be handholds. I can see like I'm using my focus. I can see the yellow handholds and she just won't jump up or where I, there is I'm there was one part I was trying to get one of the drones and um, the um, it's uh, trying to get one of the drones and. I'm climbing up a building and I'm on the white, the yellow bar, but the top of the building is, I'm telling you guys, it is a foot above, one foot above. She couldn't climb it. And I was like, I don't understand. Like, this is the path that I was supposed to go on. So my wife is in the room and she was looking at it, you know, from not inside of the game. She's looking at it outside and she could see, she's like, Hey, did you see the yellow over there? And I turned to the right and there to the right. If I just shimmied over to the right and then go up, there was a yellow part uh, on the top over there. It just, I wasn't over where the game wanted me to be. That's why she couldn't climb up because it was the same distance when I moved, when I shimmied to the right. So it's just a little irritating in that sense. Um, but again, I had already fallen in love with this game prior to that. So, you know, the climbing thing, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not even really trying to climb everything to begin with, that's not what I'm here for. So I can kind of get over the fact that it's not the best. And it's not like, you know, where we thought it was really going to be. Again, 
it could be tweaked too. These are things, the game is still buggy. The game, the game is still buggy. So these are things that can be fixed down the line. I don't see any of that stuff not being able to be fixed. Now, me saying the, the part about the climbing, the shimmying part, that is... I, I think that is just where it is. Like that's just that I didn't I wasn't going where the game wanted me to go, even though she's still going up the same distance. So that's just something that is probably gonna stay be persistent. But the the glitching when you're trying to go, like not being able to go to one of those yellow markers when you have the you're close to it and she won't move, those are things that need to be ironed out. Um I did find some other bugs. Um there I was trying to fight a rock a rock breaker. And uh, you guys will figure out what that is. It's it's one of the um, I think it's the uh, Kappa class. They're they're the big ones, the big boys. Um, and we get through half of the fight, and um, my ammo won't shoot. Weapon will not shoot. I think I, I had my bow out uh, maybe the first time. No, I think I had the spear out the first time when this happened, and it just it wouldn't go. And I'm I'm okay. Well, I'm, this thing is huge and I don't have a lot of time here. So I've got like, I, we got to go, what's going on here. And I tried to switch my weapon and the weapon wouldn't switch. Tried to switch it again, wouldn't switch. So now I'm just stuck. I could not shoot any weapons. I can't switch my weapon. There's nothing that I can do. So I immediately restart. I restart from save. It is what it is. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. He kills me. That's what happened. He got me because as I'm trying to figure this out, and I obviously did not know this was happening. This, this hadn't happened before. So um, that happened. And then I reload back in, do the same thing again. I was like, all right, whatever. Maybe it's a one-off thing. Who cares? Just do the fight again. Same thing happens when his life gets down to half. And I'm like, guys, what? what is going on? What is going on? So I restart the game at that point because I'm like, I can't do this. So I, re- I restart it and... Again, this is the third time. Same thing happened. Halfway down, I try to switch weapons, will not move, or will not switch the weapon. I can't fire any weapons. I finally, um, what did I do? Um, I crafted some ammo for the weapon that I was that I supposedly had equipped because she didn't have anything in her hand. Um, but when I create or when I crafted the ammo for it, it put the weapon in my hand. I was able to use them again, like no problem. Took it down. We were on our way. But still, that is a huge bug, and that, that could have stopped progress right there. If you know, if you don't think to do anything else, if you're just stuck there and you I mean, you can't use the things that the game is giving you, that's a problem. Like we can't, I mean, like that's that's a problem. So these are, you know, bugs that that was one bug that I had. And then just today I was uh playing through I was going to get uh I got to a mission that was previously locked. It was a side mission, so I went to it. And in the mission, again, this, there's, I'm just telling you, I took out a Stormbird. That's all I'm going to say about the mission. But the Stormbird, as I'm taking it out, um, it literally, it's flying. And I got it down to halfway. And it started to, like, fly. I, we were on a mountainside. So it started to fly down over to the, um, or, you know, off the cliff. And it got stuck in the side of the cliff. And then vanished. And then it was just gone. And I had to kill it to complete the uh, the mission. So I now cannot complete the mission. So I did not know what to do. I believe I, yeah, I restarted the game. I don't think that did anything. So I finally looked on YouTube. Uh, was it YouTube? 
I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was a YouTube video that I saw. And there was a guy, he made a save at a campfire and then loaded that save, like made a manual save and then loaded that save. And then it fixed whatever problem he was having. It wasn't even a problem. It wasn't even the same mission I was doing. But I just was like, you know what? Let's try it. I tried it. Bam. Boom. Bob's your uncle. And I got it up and running. But again, these are these are just things that are they're stopping the progress of the game. And those are things that need to be ironed out. Like it is what it is. Did is it hindering my experience? Again, this is I'm done with the game. The the one bug that I had during the game was the rock the rock breaker during my playthrough of or my initial main run of it. The Stormbird, that was after, you know, after endgame. So these are but again, you could have you, you could have gotten there beforehand, so there is that. So it is what it is. It's just the there. It is a little buggy right now. It's nothing that I don't think can be ironed out, but the world is still unbelievably beautiful. It still loads in quite quickly. You know, very fast. If you want to fast travel, if you're just loading into the game from the jump, it is very fast. So these are trade offs that you're going to have to have. But again not these kind of trade-offs. I assume there's going to be some bugginess, like, you know, audio bugs, like the Aloy sounding muffled. I, okay, cool. You know, we might have a little bit of that. Okay. But game, game stopping stuff like this, that, those are things that we got to kind of, you know, get worked out. But I do think that they can, and that's the thing. And it didn't, it did not hinder my experience and my love for this game. Like, I, I still am very much in love with this game. Like, I, I fell in love with it from, the beginning and all the way through like even even with that rock breaker i the only reason that i was persevering is because i wanted to see the story i wanted to see what was going to come next for aloy and her gang so i don't have i don't really care about you know there was this bug because now granted granted if that stopped me from feeling or from finishing the story yes of course but there is some uh, apparently some way to get around that, or I found that way somehow. So it didn't hinder my experience, and hopefully, if any of you get stuck into in that part, that will help you out too. Or realistically, hopefully, it's it's fixed by then, and we get that, we get that patched out. So um, I would like to move on here to um, the reviews in the gaming industry, and there is one thing the reason that I kind of wanted to touch on this or what started my thought process on this is an article that I saw from Push Square. So the article is titled Horizon Forbidden West is getting review bombed on PS5, PS4 for no reason. Zero out of 10, apparently. This is by Sammy Barker. Again, this is at Push Square. So he goes, it wouldn't be a major video game release without gamers exhibiting embarrassing behavior. Horizon Forbidden West has been quietly racking up disproportionately negative reviews on Metacritic overnight. And while it's still holding a steady overall user score, the string of 0 out of 10s are obviously beginning to look disingenuous. Many of you may recall The Last of Us Part 2, amid an eye-rolling social media scandal, falling to a similar fate. Of course, there's a targeted campaign against Aloy's sophomore outing this time. It's just people being silly. Probably the biggest disappointment in a while, one user wrote um, of the 80 or so hour game, less than 24 hours after its release. I had very high expectations, uh, or I had, or this is quote, I had very high expectations. The story is bland and unimaginative. The gameplay is very boring. Even the lauded graphics are underwhelming. Really dropped the ball here, end quote. 
after the aforementioned the last of us part two saga uh metacritic did pledge alterations to its user score system with the global being to prevent this for, um, from happening again, or with the goal being to prevent this from happening again. Unfortunately, it looks like two years uh, later, nothing has really changed. Of course, we all know that the user score on the website is complete waste of time, but it may still influence less engaged players, and it looks like Horizon Forbidden West's rating is going to take a, batter a battering. Of course, the title is not without criticism, the platforming is finicky, and there's your usual open-world jank. But we loved the title overall in our review, blah, blah, blah. So they're starting to get into, you know, where to point you next so that you can keep giving them content. But, um, which you should, because Push Square is awesome, because I do get a lot of uh, content from them, too. Or I read a lot of articles from them. Um, but I will say, this is uh, this is disheartening. Again, having played the game, uh, once you get into it the very first, you know, couple of hours... It is not even a couple of hours, realistically. The first 20 minutes of the game, guys, you can you can tell, like, the graphical fidelity of this thing is on point. So, to sit here and say that, you know, it's... It, what did they, Let me see. Let me go back to what he said, or what the, the review said. Um, lauded graphics are underwhelming. That That is... I'm shocked. Shocked. Every single screenshot that I've taken, and I'm sure that every single person that you've seen taken on Twitter, it looks phenomenal. It looks great. And it's because they put in their work to make it look that good, guys. Like, it's not like it's just, it, you know, we're not sitting here talking crap. It, it, this is like, it. it's the game. Like, I, I'm baffled that it looks this good. Like, I'm still baffled. Every single time I load it up, I'm like, I, I, I can't believe, I can't believe this. I can't do this. How is this happening? You know? So, like, I, I, I just got, um, which next week we'll be talking about this, but WWE 2K22, if, oh my god, guys, I looked at the screenshots for that, and I'm just like, what is this? What? It, this is a, what? This is a game? John Cena looked like he was looking at me through the picture. And this is a game. Okay, I am, I'm here. That's, I had to get that. So, um, but back to this. Back to the review bombing and all of that nonsense. And why we're, we're going to get into a deeper discussion here about reviews. Reviews are very important for people like us. For you guys listening to, for me personally, it's, it, it's, it's a tool that we use to help us make a purchase, right? And obviously you should always make up your own mind and you should know what you like and know your taste. But in this day and age with how games are being released and with them being buggy, again, we did discuss this game being buggy, but with how they're being released like that, it is very important that we take these reviews and we listen to them and we make educated decisions with our money so that we can, you know, go forward and, you know, be confident that we spent the money on the right game. So, it's when we have fake reviews come in like that and they're, you know, like some other ones that we've gotten throughout the years, it starts to create a, again, it didn't really for this one, but it can start to create a falsification of the product and it can start to hurt people who have put their hard work into these things. And I say this too, so this happened, and this is why I wanted to start this conversation. But then I came across a gentleman on YouTube. Don't know how. I, I don't know how he got, he moseyed up on my uh, on, on my feed. Not gonna sit here. I'm not gonna give a shout out to this this guy, but um, he has 110,000 followers. 
110,000. So I first found him when Pokemon Arceus came out. And my guy literally just sat there and bashed the game. He said that it played exactly like um, Zelda Breath of the Wild, but looks even but looks even worse than that did. But he didn't say it looked bad, but he, it, he didn't say Breath of the Wild looked bad, but he said, but looks worse. How, how does it look worse while using the same engine as Breath of the Wild and playing just like Breath of the Wild? And he just struck me as, you know, as I, I didn't even, I, I watched, I think, three quarters of the video and I had to turn it off because by then I had kind of deduced that he, I don't think he really played this game. I really don't think that he had played this game because if you did play this game, because I had played the game and he also said that he had played every Pokemon game that had ever been created that has ever come out. I mean, he said that he played every single one. It's like, okay. So then, I mean, I would assume, cause I've heard people who have played every single Pokemon game talk about this game and yeah, they, they list out the jank and they list out the fact that it looks, you know, it doesn't look as good as it probably should because Game Freak has enough money to do that. But uh, they, and we're going to touch on that too in a second, but they all say that this is the Pokemon game that they've been waiting for as fans of Pokemon. So for this man to say that you are just like them, but then to be trashing this game while also saying that it's Nintendo's fault for this game because they are the ones who made it. How do you not know that Game Freak is the one who are making this game? Like, how do you not know this? I don't even, again... I know this, and I'm not a Pokemon guy, and I know that Game Freak is the, are the developers. So you, as a Pokemon person who has played every Pokemon game, should know that Game Freak is a separate entity than Nintendo. Yes, they are entwined, and yes, they only produce games on Nintendo, but they aren't owned by Nintendo, and they are their own company. So you should know that. And I just, again, I had the, I had the feeling that he hadn't really played the game. So I turned it off. I, I felt like that was just a, you know, a bad review, and I didn't think anything of it. I just kept on going with my life, and lo and behold, a couple weeks later, he has a review up for Horizon Forbidden West, and I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? So I start watching this, and long story short, the reason that he doesn't like the game is because Aloy doesn't look as, doesn't look feminine enough. That's what he came to. That was his conclusion. And, or, and not, his, not his only conclusion. I won't say that. But that was one of the things that he said where, again, I turned that off real quick. Because I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, that, I don't, that doesn't even make sense. He also d discussed the graphics not being, being subpar. Again, I don't, I don't know how that is. But um, we will, we're, we're, getting, we're getting down a rabbit hole here. So as I'm, as I'm watching this one, I stopped watching that one again after he made the comment about her. The reason he doesn't like her is because she doesn't look feminine enough. Ugh. Um, I then saw that he made a retraction video on Pokemon Legends Arceus. And <laughs> let me tell you guys, I was like, oh my god. Okay, so I go and click the video. And the first, the very first about five minutes of it, he is talking about how the hate video that he made prior was um got so much hate so much hate that he didn't even he didn't even he's never had so much dislikes on a video before ever he's like so I decided he's like I just never literally for like four minutes talks about this and he goes I just never had that many dislikes 
He's like, so, you know, I, I took the weekend and I went and played more of Pokemon Legends Arceus. And I have to say, I think I was wrong about every single thing that I said. I was like, bro, come on, man. What are you doing? What? Oh, my God. You this is this is going out to 100,000 people. So, again, like you're when you have that kind of audience, you have to make sure that you are being honest with them and telling them what is going on and letting them know these things. And I just feel like if you're being disingenuous, you got to you, you shouldn't be like that or you shouldn't claim to be a reviewer. That's where I'm really saying you, you can be disingenuous, but don't sit here and be disingenuous when you're reviewing a game that people have spent years trying to make, and not just this game. We're talking uh, even Pokemon Legends Arceus. It's like you if you can retract your statement that quickly within two days, then you really didn't give the game a chance to the begin with to even make a review in and of itself. So this is kind of where we get. And, you know, there it starts to get muddled when we start to think about these things and these dishonest people who have these platforms, again... The people that we are listening to, and I hope that you guys are listening to, are not like that. But people like these are the ones that we kind of need to watch out for and stay away from. Um, but I do kind of want to talk about... That was just like a little... Well, you know, really bad stuff about being negative and uh, disingenuous. But I want to kind of get to another um, issue that I kind of see creeping up uh, in the industry here. So, um, embargo periods. They seem to be getting shorter well again it, it depends on the certain game but i've been hearing a lot of reviewers say you know that they've only had a couple days with the game or you know they've had you know maybe three days or four days or something like that but they don't have a lot of time with these games to really make a valid you know uh judgment on them in a sense and i mean I, again they're doing the best they can i'm not saying that these people are not doing the best that they can because they again they're not putting this embargo on themselves it's the company who's giving them the game. If you're giving them a, you know, a sprawling world that's going to take, you know, a, an immense amount of hours, you've got to give these guys time to do that, right? And if you don't, and if you have games with multiple modes too that it takes time to kind of get a gauge on, to get through, you want to give the reviewers enough time to play through those. So then that way they can, you know, talk about those modes and give them a spotlight instead of just saying, oh, well, you know, I... Didn't really have time to get into that because, well, X, Y, and Z wasn't working or they didn't have the online up at the time. So I wasn't able to do that. So it's stuff like that where it's like, again, I know game development is hard. I'm not saying it's not. But that's why we have delay systems, right? That's why we should, as a, as a gaming community, we should start being okay and be or making delays a norm. And we shouldn't be looking at them as, Oh, that means that the game is trash. No, it means that they just needed more time so that the workers were not stressed out while they're trying to get this game out the door. We should never want people who are working on the hobbies that we all indulge in and that we all love. We, they shouldn't have to be laboring over this. I heard that there were multiple, multiple divorces. And um, I was listening to, um, I'm sorry, because I, I want to give it credit. I was listening to um, the Game Informer's uh, videography podcast and um, Ben Rees was talking about how there were many divorces during the course of Halo 2's development. And that is just disheartening, man. Like, that is so sad to hear that, like, families were broken up over this game. And because of that, that's why the developers felt like they absolutely needed it to be, like, 
this amazing because it needed to be worth them losing their families. And like that is so sad. And we shouldn't want developers to be in that situation like that or be stressed out like that. And realistically, nobody should be stressed out like that at work. I am a general manager where I work at, at um, my place of business. And I do not want my staff to feel stressed out. And I don't want them to feel like they can't come to us and do and, and, and talk to us for anything. If they do, that's when I want them to talk to me and let me know what's going on because I can't, we're, we're not going to be running that kind of shit. So that's just, that, that's my mentality. And that should be the mentality for every industry across the board. It shouldn't just be in the gaming industry. It should be in every single industry. But unfortunately, it's, it's, it, 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 it is in most industries, but we, as people who are indulging in this hobby, we should take care and take interest in what is going on there. Now, that was a huge tangent. I apologize. But um, back to the embargo peers. That's what I'm saying. I just I do understand that this is tough. That's what I was getting at. But we also got to see that, like, you know, if you want that marketing, you want good marketing, these reviewers need a little bit more time to, you know, ha- uh, have hands on with the game. And that brings me to um, Greg Miller's embargo period with WB2K22. So he was talking about that on... Um, what was it? Um, dear Lord. Gamescast. I could not think of what it was called. Um, but on the Gamescast, they were talking about um, the embargo period that he had for the game. And long story short, they were only going to give him a weekend to try out the game before he could start talking about it. And it's like... But then, like, what? that's only, like, two days you know, like nobody really, again, if you've got a family, you don't have that kind of time. You know, you don't have two days to try out everything that a game has to offer. You've got like maybe four hours in there somewhere. So it's like, guys, like, I mean, again, it is the weekend. So there is that. But I work on the weekend. So I, for me, it's like, no, nah, man, like they, I, I got like maybe, maybe six hours that I could spend. But um, when they had, so they were supposed to get the review codes on Friday, this past Friday. And then they were supposed to go live uh, or embargo was supposed to be lifted on Monday. Well, apparently, there was something that happened on Friday, and they didn't get the code till Sunday. So they he only had Sunday till Monday. <laughs> he had hours to play this game. And it's like, okay, you know, obviously there's stuff happening in the back end. But it just was funny that, again, this is happening while I'm getting this kind of going with these reviews. And it's just like, why? why does this seem to be happening more and more where these embargo periods are getting shorter and shorter but again i do think a review is important because it helps us to get you know to make a decision obviously again you should be able to make your own decision on what you want to buy but these reviews will help us and if you find somebody that you do trust obviously that person it, you know if they have the same kind of taste as you that's going to help you out as well but the importance of them in the industry is is just that it's it's to help progress the industry help you know get the word out for certain games you know indie games with them getting a review from whoever or people you know, people making content those people are putting that game out there and they're helping it reach more people now if we talk about you know what is the importance between open critic and metacritic where are we at here because realistically that's just a number 
And me personally, again, outside of my fantasy league that I'm in, the Trophy Room Fantasy League, I don't really, I I don't care. I'm not really, the open critic and metacritic don't really matter to me. I care about, again, the people who I, I frequent, the content creators that I listen to all the time. I'm listening to what they're having to say just because I, again, know their tastes and I feel like we are somewhat aligned in those kind of tastes. So if they're, if they're, you know, super hyped about a game, okay, well then that maybe means that the game is for me. And obviously I'd have to see if it's in a genre that I like because they, you know, if they like certain genres, well, that might not be for me. I am not an RTS person, which we will kind of get into, but that's just, you know, where we're at here. So I, I, open critic, metacritic, it's, it's really just a number. So to me, not really, you know, too worried about what those, what that is. It's not a tangible thing to me. I want to, I want to hear people's experience. That's, that's where, where I'm at. And that's kind of where I want to leave this off on and just kind of tell you guys what's going to be going forward with the show and reviews. And I'm putting quotes around that on the JMR podcast and they're not going to be reviews. And that's why I'm putting quotes around it. So I, I don't think at least now, there's no reason for me to do a review because of my stance on this. I don't I don't want to be the reason that you go out and buy a game. I want to give you my insight and tell you, you know, what I'm thinking of a game and how I'm feeling about a game. And that will just, you know, give you the sense of if you want to go out and get it or not. And I, I want you guys to kind of take me as, well, you know, this is my experience with it. If you were already thinking about getting it, well, here's my experience with it. If you weren't thinking about getting it, well, here's my experience with it. That's it. Not going to give you no score because I don't really want to do that. I'm going to tell you if I liked a game or if I didn't like a game. And that's just going to be it because that's that's genuine. And that's that's where I kind of sit at with it and with uh, with at least reviews on this podcast. That's where how we're going to do things. So I do kind of want to transition over to the console wars. All right. So I want to kick this off with an article from Vice uh, by Samantha Cole. And this is about, the title is, Doctor Apologizes for Ranting About Console Wars from Operating Room. So this crept up, when did this drop? This is on March 8th, so this was, what day is it today? Today is uh, Thursday, this was on Tuesday. On Tuesday, this is when this happened. I was at work when this popped up on my phone. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I want to read this to you guys, and then we're going to go into a deep discussion about this. But... We go, people are review bombing a hospital in India with one-star reviews after a doctor tweeted a video of himself during a procedure with an unconscious patient. The anesthesiologist who goes by Dr. Srivira on Twitter and his YouTube channel filmed himself supposedly in active operating room or in an active operating room where he had just anesthetized a patient and was preparing for an invasive procedure to remove a gallbladder. He claimed to be defending himself against people claiming he's not a real doctor because they disagree with his passion for the console wars. Console wars is shorthand for the decades-long argument between gamers about which platform Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo devices, PC, gaming, and so on is the best. Shrivira posted the video to Twitter writing, quote, Here I am after inducing anesthesia, intubating, and putting a patient on controlled mechanical ventilation, for a laparoscopic colsectomy case in OR, slandering my identity profession because you Xbox can't argue facts, end quote. (laughs) Wow. According to gaming news outlet Dextero, he added, quote, saving lives, uh, dash my job, console wars, dash my hobby, end quote. 
He was allegedly trying to defend himself from accusations that he wasn't a real doctor. Dextero, which reviewed the video before Shrivira locked his Twitter account, says that he pans around an operating room holding up the phone to record himself showing the patient on the operating table. People watching the video think they found the hospital where, the, where he works, um, Medihope Hospital and Research Center in India, and are posting one-star reviews to its Google page, Motherboard, uh, to its Google, Google page. Motherboard has reached out to the hospital for comment and, the, or, and to confirm whether he works there and will update if, hear back, if they hear back. Yeah, so basically, that's where we're going to end it right here. But that is wild. And you really got to think, like, is it that serious? Are we, are we really putting people's lives in danger because of consoles? Like, I know that, you know, obviously, you know, back in the day, at least when I was in school, you, you had you had a certain console, you'd be like, oh, well, you know, you ain't shit kind of thing. But it's just like, that's that, you know, nowadays, it's like, well, that's ridiculous. That's obviously ridiculous. And obviously, nowadays, for me, I'm console agnostic. I, I play on anything. I play whatever game is my fancy, wherever it's at. That's what's going to grab me for the foreseeable future. I do prefer my PlayStation, but I have I have the Nintendo Switch and I've got the Xbox, so I have no reason to not go over to either one of them, depending on what is going on. But again, as of right now, I've been on my PlayStation, so that's where I've been with most of my time. But at the end of this month, we do have Ghostwire Tokyo, which is still PlayStation, but we also have Kirby Forgotten, uh, The Forgotten Land. So uh, that is probably going to take me away from something for a little bit, at least. I got to get through that game. I really do. Because I, that, that, I played the demo. That game looks fantastic. But um, yeah, so because I am console agnostic and I don't really see the line between they are just games and I want to play the games wherever the games are. So that's why that's the real reason I have the Xbox is because they've got Bethesda now. And now they've got Activision. You know, if that deal keeps going through, which I'm pretty sure it's going to. But, you know, they've got they've got a lot of backing right now. They've got a lot of IP under their belt. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to future-proof myself and make sure that I can play whatever game comes out of them. Because I do love, you know, my Halo. Like I, like I mentioned in my um, Game of the Year list, like that made it on my Game of the Year list. And I'm still waiting until we get Season 2, till we can get into that co-op, which got delayed. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I am, I'm very excited for what, uh, you know, Xbox has down the road. I'm coming till November. We've got, um, what is it called? Starfield. You know, I don't know anything about it, but I'm excited. You know, it's the first thing coming from Todd Howard. So I'm, I'm there. I'm, I'm ready for it. Let's see what we can do. And I'm, I'm definitely more for a sci-fi, you know, trip than we are a, you know, Skyrim trip <laughs> uh medieval so like i mean skyrim is you know it is fun for a time but i i really i've never been able to really get into it i think it was i think it came and went before i got into it so it is what it is which realistically i can't say that because it's always been out but i digress um back to the console wars so i again i don't see the line but with this guy he obviously does to the extent that he feels like he needs to put somebody's life in jeopardy as he's filming himself and as he's going around here making a point showing her and you know I assume without consent I doubt that there is consent because he does go on here in the article and he does he does apologize on his YouTube channel so we're not going to get really into that but it's it's neither here nor there it's the fact that you did it my guy like why are we we're letting consoles get this far but again 
we consoles have always been this thing that we've got to fight over. And it just I don't understand why we have to have this much toxicity in the gaming industry. You know, like we as gamers should come together and be happy that anybody is gaming wherever they're gaming at. You know what I mean? Like we should just be content that, again, people like their games. Like there are people right now who are not playing Horizon Forbidden West because they're playing Elden Ring. And those people are awesome because that's the game that they want to play. And that's the game that is that has grabbed them. And just like there's a game for everybody. And that's why gaming is such a beautiful thing and such a great hobby because it is for everybody. There is something for everybody. My wife, who, again, does not really play games, she loves her platformers. So every time there's going to be a platform coming out, we're getting a platformer so she can get her fix. She's now getting into Fortnite, so we're trying to branch out. I'm trying to get her to play Horizon, guys. So just we we got to keep pushing, but it is what it is. But um, I just, there's a lot of toxicity that goes on and the the console war the back and forth is just it's tiring you know i i'm sure a lot of you listening are like that as well but it is it is very tiring it's like guys let's let's grow up you know these are these we're just we're just trying to play games like you know just trying to have fun you know let's let's calm the hell down all right let's take a chill pill but how how can we stop it though that's the real thing because if you think about it again it's kind of been a thing forever and whether it's marketing or not, you know, what do we do? And it's not, I guess, what we do. It's what the companies in the industry does. And honestly, we might see something. You know, it does seem like, at least Sony and Microsoft, it does seem like they're working a little bit, you know, they're working a little bit better together. Who knows? So it does seem like we there there may be there there may be something there. We, we could see. Uh, 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 a partnership of some kind, not a partnership, but like, you know, a cohesiveness of some kind, you know, where we just, we just exist, guys, you know, like, we're happy for you, you're happy for us, everybody's happy. Like, maybe we can get to that instead of, you know, the, what is it, the Sega does what the Nintendo don't crap, you know what I mean? Like, I hope we can get away from that going forward. But again, it does seem like that, considering that Xbox and or Microsoft is kind of playing a different game than what PlayStation is playing. So it does it does seem like we are kind of getting to a different, you know, a different path than what we've ever really been on before. And it's where we've got one major platform holder diverging and going down a completely new and exciting path realistically, and I'm talking about Microsoft, but then you have, you know, still the top player PlayStation who is, you know, Still doing the same thing, but but is seeing the advantages of Microsoft of of you know their game plan, and they're implementing some of it, and we're seeing that you know with with Spartacus. Hopefully, if we can get an announcement of that, but we will see that at some point, and because we know that that's coming. But you know, we'll have to wait and see. All right, guys, let's talk about PlayStation's state of play that happened yesterday. We open up with Exoprimal from Capcom, releasing sometime in 2023, exclusive to PlayStation. This looked cool, but as I've already stated previously with um, the Back for Blood talk, I don't think this style of game, and I'm talking PvE, is really my cup of tea anymore. I think the days of the Left 4 Dead fad are behind me. However, I will say the dinosaurs on display here looked really awesome, but I'm not too sure about the story. The next thing we saw, we got some Ghostwire Tokyo gameplay. Yeah, let's go. 
I am so excited for this one. Again, it's coming out on the 25th. This game is literally something that I have been waiting for since the PS5 showcase. The I don't know if it was the first or second one that they had before the console launched, but it definitely stayed in my mind because of that frenetic combat or that frenetic combat and the hand gestures. You know what I mean? Like it just it's something that jumped out at me as soon as I saw it on screen. Again, didn't know anything about the story, but um I couldn't make heads or tails of, you know, what was actually going to go on in the game, but I did play through that prelude graphic novel that's on the PS5. You can play through it right now. Well, I think it's on... Well, I guess it would just be on the PS5, yeah. But um, it's uh, if you play through it, it's a prelude to what's happening in the Ghostwire universe. And it is really intriguing. And when you start to see all of these other, you know, story mission or these story trailers, it really is getting me excited for this game. So... Next game we had is Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Again, drops on the 18th. Awesome Dave. He's got this one. We got to look out. So uh, that is next Friday. And uh, we've got the fastest little snippet of the gameplay. I don't like, I mean, it literally was like, oh, it's gone. I think it was like 30 seconds. But there is a demo that is was available to download yesterday. So if you guys want to try it out before, you know, you get into it and you spend your money, you got all the time in the world and your progress carries. So that's cool. We did get some gameplay of Forspoken. That was cool. It, the same week that it got delay out, delayed out of May into October. But, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's cool. Because look at the game. Look at the game. The game looked real tight. It looked real good. So if they need more time, they need to push it to October. That's a good couple of months for them to put some more work in. And that's a good couple of months for them to put the right kind of work in. And I, you love to see it. That's realistically. You love to see it. So they're doing the right thing. And that's what I see. When I see this kind of gap, it seems like they're assessing the situation. And they're like, you know what? We need more time. We need a little bit more time, guys. We're going to give ourselves more time. Cool. All right. So I let's hope that. I mean, because that's Square Enix. So let's hope that we can see that. Because I think we saw four Square Enix games, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think so. But, um, you know, let's let's hope that we can see that kind of reactionary you know approach to things it's not reactionary but you know that assessment you know so they can make the right call but for spoken we did see a good chunk of gameplay um this is another game from the early showcases that stuck out like a sore thumb for me and i really can't wait to get my hands on this one uh if the music used for the trailer is foreshadowing for anything of what to expect in the game we're in for a damn good time i'm telling you guys like because that music is awesome and i really hope that it's not just you know, for the trailer. And I guess that was why Sony said, I bet that's, yeah, that's probably why Sony said like, hey, if you're streaming this, you got to watch out kind of thing. Like there's licensed music in it and we, there's, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. And if they're saying they're not, there's nothing we can do about it, maybe that means that that's just in the game. I would hope. We'll see. We'll have to see. But um, I am excited for this. I'm, I'm excited that, you know what, gets pushed to October. Okay. Where are we at? August, September, October. Yeah, that's cool. Because I'm thinking about Saints Row. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but you know what? There is one thing that I was thinking about, uh, you know, as I was just kind of putting this together and trying to think of her role in that and why I think this is so interesting. It's just that Frey kind of feels literally like us, the gamers. And I think, stay with me here. So we as gamers, we go into these mystical worlds and... 
we have to learn. It's, 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 it's a strange world at first, and we have to learn the world. We have to learn the mechanics, and we have to hone our skills. And once we hone our skills, then we feel more confident, and then we can go farther out into the world and take on you know bigger enemies, and we can do bigger things. And in that sense, is that not what she's doing? Did she not get stripped from her world? Because she's from our world. She's from, like, the real world. And she gets stripped from uh, from there somehow and gets thrown into this fantasy universe. And she begins to learn that she has these powers, I'm assuming. Like, she, I mean, again, I'm, I, uh, we're piecing this together based on the trailers. But um, she's learning these different skills and she's getting better at them. And I mean the movement in the game. It, this this game, this game is going to be something good. I'm telling you. Like the, the guys, this this year is crazy. This year is crazy. Oh my gosh, we are so lucky. We are so lucky. Anyway, um, didn't know what to think of this next one, but after seeing Gundam Evolution in action, it looks fine. It, it looks fine. You know, it doesn't look like it'll you know knock any other multiplayer shooter out of the front uh, forefront. But if you're a fan of Gundam Next, you know. Keep an eye out for this one. It, it, it's going to be coming out later this year. The Turtles Kawabunga Collection was announced. So that has a bunch of titles from like the older NES and the Game Boy um, games. So they're putting all of those games into a collection. I think it's like eight games they're putting into a collection. And they're going to be coming out later this year. So that's pretty cool. Um, the next one we got is Gigabash, a kaiju brawler where... <laughs> You're dropped in a map with at least one other person. So, or with at least one other person. So, you can get up to four people, but, or at once. So, not sure if you can have more than that, you know? It it only showed four people, but, yeah, I'm sure you got, it's at least one person. Because you can't, I don't think you can play that alone. It'll be releasing later this year. So, this one is not a Jedi Master game, let me tell you. I'm not, I'm not really, not really into this one. I was just like, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Again, that's cool. That's cool that I'm not into it because there's somebody out there that is. That's why they're they're putting it out in the forefront. Like, that's the whole thing. So it's not for me, but it's for somebody. That's cool. So we got JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. All-Star Battle looks like your typical fighting game in the vein of Killer Instinct or like a Marvel Capcom. Uh, the art style looks really, really cool. I liked it. It looked like kind of like comic booky meets like, you know, it, you know what it looked like? Um... I don't remember that dang name. It's a kind of like paintbrush. Looks like a, a mixture of like comic booky and paintbrush. And there's a game that I can't think of. It starts with an O with the white dog and I cannot, or the white wolf and I cannot think of the name. But yeah, this could be a sleeper hit for all you fighting game uh, aficionados. So it releases early fall and it will have 50 playable characters at launch. So that's wild. Like that's a lot of characters to mess around with. Uh, so... Holy crap, you want to see a game that looks precisely like an old-school samurai movie. Look no further than Trek to Yomi. Oh, boy. I cannot believe how accurate this gameplay looked to an actual samurai film. Like, it looked like a movie you could legitimately see. Ghost of Tsushima went there slightly, but wasn't the focus of the game itself. Seafood does a good job of creating a setting, but its sole purpose is on the combat mechanics. This game seems to care immensely about its presentation to the audience, and you can really see the shine in this trailer. 
Trek to Yomi releases sometime in the spring. Returnal DLC? Are you serious? Like, yeah, that was the next thing they dropped. Returnal DLC. Didn't see that coming at all. Not like I am a huge stand for Returnal, but you know, cause uh, but it's cool. Uh, it's cool to see the fan base get a little sum sum. You know what I'm saying? The update is titled Ascension, and it releases on the 22nd, so the 22nd of this month. So get your partner ready and go take on Fight Twice for me. All right? Cause I do again. That mofo has stopped me from seeing the rest of the game, so I need somebody to just give it to him one good time and send me a picture, please, on Twitter. Um, the Digfield Chronicle is an RTS-style game set in a fantasy universe, published by Square Enix. Art style looks cool, but unfortunately, again, this game is not going to be for me because I am not into RTSs. Uh, I got too many games to play, and I'm not a fan of those RTS games. And last, but certainly not least, we close the show with the first glimpse at Valkyrie Elysium. Right, uh, right off the bat, the art style hooked me. Full disclosure, I actually saw images of this game on Twitter before seeing or before sitting down to watch the uh, the state of play, and it got me just in the still images. Seeing the gameplay and how fluid everything is uh, is makes this a JRPG I can get behind and hopefully really enjoy. Don't know much about the story yet because they didn't really give us a lot, but if they can land that aspect as well. This might just be a sleeper hit for some people. It releases sometime this year. And I'm telling you, like, I, if they can hit the story, because the combat looks dope. The graphics, not graphics, the, the art style looks dope. So if they can hit the, the story, they've, they've got a good game on their hands right here. And it's coming out again later this year. Like, a lot of this stuff said later this year. Again, these are mostly indie or game, indie games. Again, for spoken isn't um, Stranger Paradise. I no, I don't think it is. Uh, I mean, they got like thirty seconds. Like they should have. Like realistically, they they should have had more respect. Like that that like what are they doing? It's coming out in a couple of days. It's coming out before Ghostwire. Like you know, like give it, give it a minute. Dang man. I guess they only had 20 minutes to work with. And I mean, that was a lot of stuff. Look at that. That was a lot of stuff they fit in 20 minutes. So I can't say nothing. They uh, All the time was used very well. I, I do love I do love when they don't waste our time, you know? When they're not like putting other BS in there. They're just like straight to the point. Here are the games. Here's what it is. Here's maybe when it's coming out. Rough draft. There you go. Get out. Cool. But there we are, guys. All right, guys. I believe I have a hologram from Nakachaka. Let's see what he had to say. Hey, Jedi Master Ren. It's your fellow trophy hunter here. Nakachaka. And I'm going to go rogue today and ask you a question that's not about video games. Tell us your thoughts and feelings about the Obi-Wan Kenobi teaser trailer that dropped this week. Oh my god, my guy. Whole dude, I could not believe what I was looking at. I'm just, I'm sitting here and I'm like, look, we know it's coming. We know that he's going to be in it. It's fine. It's cool, whatever. But seeing him bring the, bring the, the, his, uh, what is it called? His binoculars down and seeing his face for the first time. I was like, oh my God, he was back. He was back. He's back in the suit. It's him. Oh my God, dude. I am extremely excited. This 
looks, it's looking like it has, I mean, let's say it, a bigger budget, a little bit of a bigger budget. We're getting, uh, what is it, the Inquisitors from, the only thing that I've seen them from is Jedi Fallen Order. But as soon as I saw that lightsaber with the, the one that spins like that, boy, oh no, I was like, you are an Inquisitor. Okay, all right, I see it, I see it. Boy, I can't believe this is coming. Now, oh my gosh, I'm still, like, I had to rewatch the trailer just so I could answer this, and thank you for giving me a reason to uh, rewatch the trailer again as I watched it probably about three times last night. I watched, I had to wait until I got home so I could watch it with my wife, but after that, I watched it two more times again. So, it it is fantastic. So, we got to think, too, you know, the stories that have been playing out, at least in the story, in the um, in the shows that they've been coming out with, with the Mandalorian and with the Book of Boba, those are both after Episode Six, so after the fall of the Empire. This takes place during the rise of the Empire when they are first when they have a clutch on the galaxy. This is right after Order sixty six. This is going to be when he is on the run. And he is fight. He is these inquisitors are trying to find him, and of course they're trying to find him specifically because of Anakin and because of Darth Vader. He knows, and we already know that Mister Hayden Crin- Christensen. I might have said his last name wrong. I apologize if I did, but um, we already know that he's coming back, and he's coming back under the call. And I don't know if he's just going to be... I mean, obviously, we're going to see Darth Vader. They've already said that we're going to uh, see at least one fight. I heard that there might be two fights that we see of Darth Vader and Obi-Wan. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Please. Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I can't wait. The only critique that I have and the only issue I have is, like, May 25th, guys. May 25th. It is... It is 21 days, 21 days after May the 4th. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing, guys? This is a perfect opportunity to come out on May the 4th. Like, I don't understand why we're playing this game here. And they're just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, Disney. What are you doing? You can't push it 21 days? I don't, I don't know what's going on up there. Who's up top? I don't know. I don't know. And the thing that even hurts me more is that it still decided to come out the same month. Come on, man. You couldn't have waited till April if you weren't going to come out on May the 4th. Come on, man. But yeah, dude, I am super, aside from that, I'm super, super excited for um, this ga- or this movie, or Jesus, this uh, TV series. The only thing, though, oh, one thing I saw, too. I got to see two shout-outs. The, the little lightsaber. Again, I didn't even notice this until I just watched it again. The little lightsaber. His lightsaber that makes the eye at the end of Kenobi dope as heck. Like it's it's such a nice, just a just a good touch, just a good touch. And then the lightsaber to make the Disney Plus over the top, dude. Oh my god, that's so cool. That was so cool. So like I am, I'm very pumped. And they did everything, even even the the smoke at the beginning, the smoke coming in when the Lucasfilm um you know, the Lucasfilm, what is it, their little logo came up, and the smoke coming in, and the choir building up, and oh, I got goosebumps, dude, oh my gosh, it's, it's, they knew what they were doing, they, they, they knew that, they know that this is going to be like, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars, that's what they're trying to do, again, because they've got Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, that's why it's going to be like, Star Wars, Star Wars, because it is, and it's, realistically, 
I would, I guess, say that's what Boba Fett should have been, but it should have been more Boba Fett. Again, I already stated that when uh, you asked me, asked your last question. But yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at with things. Uh, but you know what I really got to say, man? I thank you so much for asking me this question because I literally wanted to talk about this this week. And because of you, I was able to talk about that this week. So really, I appreciate it. And again, cannot wait. And for everybody listening, I appreciate you too. I appreciate you coming around for episode, I believe this is episode six of the JMR podcast. Uh, Each and every week now, you will be seeing me and I will be taking you on a trip to a galaxy far, far away. I hope you guys had a good time tonight. Peace. Yeah.